37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back again to Pixelated Paranormal, episode 153. And before we progress any farther, how are you guys? Meh. <laughs> About the same. Um, okay, cool. I'm a worn I'm a worn out farmer's cheese on a piece of bagel. Oh, okay. <laughs> what the fuck that means? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think pretty much everybody has the same response of meh. It's mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. something new. Every day is another day to get through and. Come on, you got a perfect rhyme. Finish it off. I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> Every day is something new. It's another day to get through. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm. My brain's cooked. And if you could, if you, and if you remember <laughs> to wear your mask, you'll be patriotic too. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're all right now. Yeah, I, I think you're right though. We're all kind of just being ridden hard and hung up wet, you know, every single day, so. Yeah, that sounded dirty, but you're right. Yeah. You know that, uh... Is that that... saying dirty in its nature? What do you mean? Uh, ridden hard and hung up wet? I don't know. I've never heard anybody... I've heard people say hung up, or hung up dry, or hung out to dry, and I've heard people say ridden hard, but I've never heard anybody Mm -hmm. say hung up wet. Yeah, old timey saying. She looks like she's been rode hard and hung up wet. We only play old timey here, boys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Should we just jump into the news? Yeah, <laughs> Let's do it. Fuck it. All right. Perfect. Who needs introductions? Cool. Steve, take it away. For sure. Well, you know me. I'm a Reddit fiend. So the other day I was browsing popular Reddit, and uh, somebody posted a video. This is three days ago. Uh, under the name of Luke five one one, this is under the subreddit UFOs. Pretty cool. He posted a video of a UF, what appears to be a UFO in the sky at Big Bear Lake, California, California. And um, so basically, he's shining this green laser up at this <laughs> something in the sky, which you're not supposed to do. Um, and but it's pretty cool to see it in the video because he's keeping pinpoint on whatever it is in the sky. Um, mm-hmm. This what appears to be a craft is zooming all the which ways, going around really fast. I mean, it would be impossible for any of our crafts to do that. And then it yeah, kind of has I like a it was shimmer, like a fly or a moth or something at first. And then you see something actually go across the screen, which looked like, um, you know, a piece of cotton or something in the, some mm-hmm. you know some kind of plant or a bug or something. But so out of that was pretty cool because it discredited that. It's like, oh, look, this is way different. And uh, so he follows it with the the green laser pointer. And we I actually posted this on the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast Facebook page. But unfortunately, on the app that I use for Reddit now, any video that I copy from Reddit, um, they've it doesn't allow sound to go through. That's weird. I think that they – I don't quote me on this, but I think that what it is is because right now – in America, there's a lot of things going on. <laughs> a lot of things. Hmm. Um, one of the biggest things that I follow a lot is the protests going on. Um, I'm an advocate for that stuff, and part of part of the be, being an advocate and an ally, and like and protesting from home, or you know, is sharing these videos instead of just copying the link and putting it on your Facebook or Twitter or whatever you're using, or you know, even if you're just sharing people in an email, whatever. Um, th- that post or video could be taken down. So they want you to actually download the video through third-party apps and upload them yourself. So oh, maybe wow. because so many people were doing that, they took away the audio. I, I'm, well, that and probably copyright laws. You know, right yeah. now, anything you post here in the States, you have to say, I do not own the rights yeah. to this music. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, like Which a lot of... It's a real the- bummer because on that video in the background, you can hear Instant Crush... By Daft Punk featuring Julian 
Casablanca. Yeah, see, I had no, I had no idea about, about yeah. that. <laughs> but you said that, and I was like, oh, or you were like, what'd you say? You were like, a UFO video with Daft Punk playing in the background. This guy fucking nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I said, yeah, I said, you know, how par- paranormal is that? Watching UFOs and listening to Daft Punk. Yeah, out in the middle uh, in a lake. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, Big Bear Lake in California. The thing about this video that I really enjoyed is that it really reminded me of a story my coward father told me back in the day. Um, when he was younger and the boy scouts, I know it, I think he actually sent in an audio about this. Yeah. Years ago, back when you were just a man on the street. Yeah. Yeah. When, uh, (laughs) you had your dad record this story. Yeah. So when he was like, uh, you know, cub scout web, weblo or whatever, we below. Yeah, they would. Is this before or after he ran over Tom Petty? <laughs> yeah, this is before. It was when he was a kid. Uh, they were like busting his balls and like wanting him to get out of the tent to come look at this thing in the sky. And this is what he described. It was. They're like, Richard, look at this yeah. UFO. Come out. I'm trying to go to sleep. Richard, there's titties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alien boobies. Uh, so he comes out there and this is basically what he sees. He sees this thing floating around, you know, buzzing around the sky you know, from place to place with no real aim or course. And then it does this. And then all of a sudden it disappears, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you explain what that is? Like we don't have that we know of crafts that can do this shit. So, right. But it's a pretty cool video. If you want to check it out go to go to our Facebook page, you can watch it there. I also linked in the bottom of it because Evan uh, asked us to post the link because uh, he probably wanted to read the comments and stuff like that and actually hear the audio. So, Go on Facebook, mm-hmm. check it out. It's pretty neat. Some of the funniest, um, not funniest, but like some of the top comments <laughs> is uh, this person says, this is the most uh, unique video I've ever seen on the subreddit. I'm usually heavily skeptic of most posts I see on here, but this one seems legitimately impressive. And it says, yeah, that maneuver when it zings away on a dime after getting hit with the laser or even an unnatural movement is very rare to see in the sub. I've never seen a video or a craft changing course 90 degrees or anything else even close. I'd love to know if this video is new or has been out a while on YouTube. It's crazy to think there are videos uh, this unique and interesting just hidden on YouTube. Very true. Yeah. What if shining that laser, that laser hit a certain point in like the circuit board on that craft and what you see when it zings away is it's malfunctioning and we <laughs> that yeah. caused that UFO to crash. That'd be nuts. <laughs> uh, Those lasers freak me out, by the way. The fact that we have lasers, you know, Joe down the street can just fucking buy at a Costco yeah. or, you know, a hardware store. Yeah. It just blows me away. And then people go ape shit over the UFO. How dare you shine the UFO at that beautiful alien creature? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, and the, the, the number one, one of the number one comments says, hitting a UFO with a laser has to be a top moment of anyone's life. The one right underneath that, <laughs> the one right underneath that. I once took down a UFO by uploading a computer virus to it. Highlight of my life, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, if you guys want to check that video out, like Steve said, it's on the Facebook page. Um, probably about two, probably three days ago by yeah. the time the episode drops. Two or three days ago, you can see it. We posted that one just before our uh, moon landing anniversary post. Yep. It's pretty pretty cool. Well, speaking of spacecraft, man, what's old Elon Musk up to? <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um <laughs> He's he's weird. He's there you go. He's not he's not taking he's not taking the quarantine too well these days. Uh, he's had a lot of drama in his life. He has a new child. Um, he's all over the place. But apparently this week he's in the headlines again. Elon Musk says he's tested his brain microchip on monkeys and it enabled one to control a computer with its mind. So that's um, how it starts. Planet of the Apes. Yes. Right. Um. So he says, Elon Musk's neurotechnology company, Neuralink, has pulled back the veil on its ambitions to implant chimps into people's brains. During a Q&A session at a live presentation on Tuesday, Musk surprised his Neuralink colleagues by announcing that the firm had tested its technology on monkeys with some success. Musk- <laughs> wait, so, wait, at an actual live Q&A, he's like, oh, and by the way, guys, this is what we've he already does. tested it on monkeys. Oh, he, he always does that shit. He'll always- and they're like, wait, you did what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll do like little announcements and be like, oh, yeah, we've already been testing and he'll let something slip. That's part of that's part of like the draw to Elon Musk because he's got so many mm-hmm. investors and mm-hmm. they're always on the edge of their seat because they don't know what he's going to say or do or what he's going to unveil too early, too late, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Um, so he says, Musk said a monkey has been able to control a computer with his brain, though he did not elaborate further on what this involved. 
Neuralink's president, Max Hodek, said that he wished the company didn't have to experiment on animals, but that it's a necessary step in the process. He said, what I wish I can do is actually have us experiment on convicts. But instead, oh, gosh. then Elon Musk yeah. is like, we already do. Yeah. So when you think of this, what is the, what is, what, why are they wanting to put a chip in your brain? Um, so the near term goal would be to treat various serious brain disorders, such as Alzheimer's mm. and Parkinson's disease, both terrible diseases. Although ultimately Musk's ambition is to achieve symbiosis with artificial intelligence. Um, Elon, if you ever listen to Elon Musk, he, he did a really good interview with Joe Rogan. Um, Mech warriors, bro. Yeah. So um, <laughs> he is terrified of of AI. He fully believes that AI could take over the world like a, you know, Rob, uh, Robocop, uh, Terminator situation. And Who does? Elon Musk or Joe Rogan? Elon Musk. Like, he okay. really believes that artificial intelligence is going to take over the world. If, if we, Why the fuck has he got his dick in the fucking if, toaster then? Because if we're sitting here like, I'm terrified of robots, but yeah. I made a monkey into a yeah. robot. <laughs> right. So, like... Uh, I don't know, it's it's pretty interesting. I won't I won't butcher what he said, but I know he's very he's very big into that. Um, mm-hmm. So with this uh, ambition to achieve symbiosis, symbiosis symbiosis with artificial intelligence, it would negate some of that, and that's what his 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 dream is. But I think he's kind of shifted. Like his main focus right now is colonization on Mars. That's like his main his main obsession. But you Wait, can is he wanting to colonize Mars with fucking cybernetic monkeys all right or Kanye West <laughs> but uh, the, the, <coughs> I'm sorry the Neuralink chip sits behind the ear while electrodes are threaded into the brain now the reason I brought this up is obviously it's weird it's science fiction you know whatever um yeah. two questions would you if this was ever perfected and you could you could go to the store and buy it or get it sign up for it would you guys do something like this no if, if it benefited you to like know that it could help you not get dementia, not get Alzheimer's, not get Parkinson's, stuff like that. Um, I'll preface it by saying it's a perfect world and no one's going to hack my brain and there's not ulterior motives. Yes, I would. I would definitely do that. Yeah. Because I know like for all the stupid – I'm just, I'm just going to say it now. If I offend anybody, I'm sorry. But all the stupid ass QAnon people, they, they believe that the whole like – I don't know. Should I say that or not? Should I cut it out? Uh, I, it's you not. Know, that's it's, your personal. <laughs> that's when I interject. Now, Stephen doesn't speak for the entire. Okay, that's, okay. You can do that. Yeah. <laughs> email uh, Big Stephen at uh, whatever his email yeah. address is, and leave us out of it. So, with that, you know, I have a sensitive subject that because my father. But it's crazy to see how big that's blown up within the last uh, month in America, yeah. and a lot of them people like they are against the the. The cabal, the the idea of a paperless money, uh, you know, all that type of stuff. And they think they're if a computer chip is in your brain, then the government could control you, stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. I, I look at science as always expanding and everything like that. And I've seen people die from Parkinson's. I've seen people die from Alzheimer's, and it's fucking terrible. And you should never have to be put in a situation where the person that birthed you forgets you. If there's anything that can help with that, I'm 100% for it. Yep. I fully agree. Um, As, you know, someone who's experienced secondhand, uh, how that affects family, you know. um, Yeah, I I fully agree. It's it's literally the worst. I tell people all the time and they say that I'm barbaric or whatever. Um, If I was put in a situation where I'm not close to my parents now, but I've told them both of this, if... I'm close with you and we ha- we patch our relationships and the end is near and you are at a complete you don't recognize anything around you you've become a shell of yeah. who you are then I'm going to help you leave mm-hmm. the planet okay and and you know like I I think that happens more often than not in situations mm-hmm. with me- definitely I'm around sure definitely does, around yeah. the world for sure um yeah. because they're not a person at that point. You know what I'm saying? The the person you love and the person that raised you isn't that person anymore. I don't know. But that's a whole different subject. Mm-hmm. When it comes to this this Neuralink chip in your brain, if it could combat that, I think that's a phenomenal thing. And honestly, it would get rid of – it could get rid of headphones, man. We could just – stream our stream our Spotify, oh, our God. iTunes music. <laughs> so this, this is why I'm not – 
this is why I'm not like a fan of, of, of this subject matter is so there are other companies out there that through um, altered genetics so you're able to take part of like your you know your genome and like recode it and then do gene therapy mm-hmm. and you could actually if we could get the studies and FDA approval so that's like a whole other topic right there um, about mm-hmm. kind of getting rid of some of those FDA restrictions mm-hmm. and do testing that we could actually cure 99.9% of the ailments that affect humanity right. through just, you know, reverse genetics versus mm-hmm. going this, uh, you, you know, like artificial intelligent route. So I don't know if, have you both watched Altered Carbon or not? Yeah, season one, yeah. I ha- I have not. I really want to. But... So that's the big conundrum with that with that series is that they came across technology that allowed them to, you know, move their consciousness from one body to the next and, you know, be able to integrate it with technology. And in the end of it, they lost all sense of humanity. So why, like, let's say I get my arm chopped off in an accident and you're able to integrate a robotic arm that works and it picks up like you know my brain signals and things like that so i have a functioning hand i think that's one thing but to actually hardwire something into your brain to affect your yeah, consciousness like get out <laughs> like eventually mm-hmm. you're going to keep pushing that technology and keep pushing that technology to where we're no longer human like we've lost all yeah. sense of you know humanity and I, I, you know, like that one black dude in uh, the Matrix. Uh, I'm 100% grade A human, baby. No, no ports. Yeah, and <laughs> no I ports. actually just finished a video game. One of my favorite series is Deus Ex, um, and it's all about like augments and augmentations on your body and like the social drama with that and like terrorist groups trying to take over people's augments and all this type of stuff. I, I love that stuff, and that's why I really want to watch ultra carbon and really into cyberpunk stuff. But like, like you said, like it's one thing to get your hand replaced and then, but like to actually take your consciousness out of your body and your soul into another thing. That's crazy shit. Right. Um, yeah. and I mean, and then you got to look at the black market type stuff that would go on with that. Um, all the corruption, but also like with what you said is like, you lost all parts of humanity and you cured all these illnesses, um, that really great video of that alien sitting in that room and like basically talking in this like dark cryptic voice. And he's saying like, uh, in, in the year 2030, you know, humans found out a way to live forever basically and lost humanity, shit like that. And then that alien that was talking was a human, they just figured out how mm-hmm. to do that, and then he was coming back to be like, "Yo, you need to keep humanity." And it was such a cool video; it's very famous. But um, well, that that concept has been a very long running theory yeah. about extraterrestrials, anyway. Yeah. Saying that you're, you're, I mean, hell, you know, we've talked about different races and all that kind of stuff, and you can believe what you want. But if you just want to look at like maybe just two races of aliens, there's like your your Nordics that are your very humanoid, you know, blonde haired, perfect human shape. And then you have your greys, which are almost said to be like these almost zombified robotic creatures that are also rumored to be or thought of to be um, just organic parts mixed with biomechanics. Yeah. Um, people say that we've just basically pushed ourselves too far into the future and then we've lost all humanity yeah. and that's what aliens are. You know, coming back, they're, they're rail thin because in space you don't have to have mass. There's no gravity. Yeah. And their eyes have gotten bigger because, you know, you're in the darkness of space, and so you want to be able to see more. And they have such small mouths because they don't have to really eat much anymore because of, you know, bioengineering and telepathy and everything like that. And, I mean, yeah, that, that shit's been I know. a theory since it's so gift. It's so cool to think about. And then yeah. uh, there's actually a, a lady that released a, a uh, peer-reviewed paper this year that talks about um, the, the frontal lobe, your hippocampus. That's your spatial mapping. So it's something that throughout the course of humanity, we've always had to use and we've had to use it a lot. So, you know, you think about, you know, you go back 60, 70, even like 100 years, you you as an individual had to to be able to survive. You had to be able to spatial map. So you would have to know if I go you know, X amount of feet into the jungle. And if I go here, there's, there's water, but the- hold on in the year 1920, I wasn't living in the fucking jungle. 
No, but I'm saying like if we go for if, <laughs> <laughs> it was the Great Depression. But if we, <laughs> if we go further back, though, that's that's part of spatial mapping. But if you go back like 20, 30 years, okay, you had to know how to move around a city. You had to be able to spatial map. So if I said, hey, I need to, you know, you to meet me at the corner of like Fifth and Sachs from wherever you're at, you would actually make a mental map inside your head on how to get to Fifth and Sachs from wherever your current location is. But now we don't do that. Mm -hmm. How many people are so dependent on GPS that they just basically type in the address and that little voice is like, in 500 feet, turn right. Mm -hmm. In 200 feet, make the next left. GPS is great when you're in the city. Even when you go on a GPS and, and you put like corner of Fifth and Sachs, it's almost like the GPS has a hard time... <laughs> Telling you where to go unless you have a specific location. And so th this idea that we're so dependent on that technology, we're using that muscle less and less. And as that muscle is shrinking, you find more people are susceptible to Alzheimer's and dementia and all those other mental diseases versus like some mm -hmm. cabbie from New York because he's been making mental maps his whole entire life, driving people around, that that muscle is so strong mm -hmm. that they're less likely to develop those brain diseases later on in life. And so because we're becoming so dependent on technology, you're finding those diseases more and more common. And then in her study, she showed that the, the smaller that muscle gets or the more underdeveloped that muscle gets, you almost become autonomous. Like you're, you're like almost like a robot that can't make decisions because you have no spatial awareness. You have no visual ability. Think as an artist, like you as an artist, you're going to paint something. How much imagination and, and visual you know, whatever you want to call it, like visual imagination that you use in that painting. Well, in today's generation, we just, we don't ever use that. And so you just become almost just like a robot. You don't even think about it. You're just like, okay, whatever. Is that why it's so hard to the younger generations to have any kind of creativity? These yeah. Days? I, I mean, I think that that was kind of, <laughs> I, it makes sense. Yeah. I think that was, is that why we have trap music and mumble yeah, rap? Probably. <laughs> Small hippocampuses, boys and girls. Yeah. Is that why every rapper is called Lil Whoa. something? Or like, Jesus. what about the, because like, I think when it comes to, I think Vine started that, like really short clips. I mean, like yeah. now you have, I mean, the TikTok's the same thing, like really small clips, very brief. I mean, like 10 seconds, 13 well, seconds. That's, that's all the attention span people have. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, you're in this McDonald's, TikTok, Twitter universe where you've got about 20 seconds to get my attention, give me the message, and then get out because I've already changed the article, I've already changed the video. You know, that's the problem you have. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, you got old people like me who are like, Tick, I don't fucking get it. TikTok, like you can you can tap your shoulders and snap your fingers and, and lip sync for 20 seconds. That's Shit, not really motherfuckers, I can shove a whole pencil up my nose. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, speaking of lobotomies and frontal lobes, yeah. I mean, there's a let's let's not let's not just destroy TikTok for let's fucking destroy the shit out of it. It's well, fucking stupid. No, because there, I I think the same thing. I'm I don't have a TikTok. I don't do it. But I've seen some really creative shit come out of that. Like really, especially for like art, man. Like you guys need to look at some of that shit. It's pretty crazy. Like the stuff that the stuff that we've seen like through uh, our friends, kids and stuff like that, like, or maybe Preston, your kids since they're older, but um, I, I don't know, man, like that stuff's whack, but like, you know, the dances and the Fortnite obsessions and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. yeah, lip syncing to somebody else. That's not art, Steve. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. Do what? I said those TikTok <laughs> videos where they're like, they're lip syncing to a song for 30 seconds. That's not art. No, 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 no. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking that's that's the videos that are popular. People actually go in there and they'll do like time lapse videos of their art or they'll do like this like mixed media shit. I'm telling you, man, there's there's some really creative stuff on there with with the tools that the app can create. But But isn't that shit like already been taken down? Didn't we take TikTok down or ban it or something? <sighs> Let's not get into that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. But uh, TBC, folks. Yeah, I'm, but just just saying, like, I I, I don't want us to sound like three old fucking dudes. But yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. I can't even figure out Snapchat, dude. You think TikTok's gonna fucking revolutionize my world? Two out of three of no, us are curmudgeonly old bastards when it comes to things like yeah. TikToks. Okay, it makes me angry. Yeah. Steve, you're the guy that's had your finger on the pulse, man. Yeah. Me and Preston are just back here, like, ah, oh, Preston and I used to take the trolley to play disc golf. I just try to I I try to look into I don't I don't ever want to get in a box when it comes to technology or social mm. spaces 
they kind of both intertwine. And I know we're kind of at a rough yeah. time right now with social media because yeah, it is so bad. Um, but social media has changed our lives and whether we want yeah. to admit it or not. And sometimes we get good things out of it, but um, I think that TikTok has some good things about it, but mm-hmm. it is a lot of trash. But that's good. I should not be so crass. I think I didn't think about that. TikTok probably has saved, honestly, saved a couple people during this thing, man. Oh, most definitely. Like, there's some very big mental health influencers on there. I mean, okay. it's yeah. There's there's a lot of good that comes out of that, but there's also a lot of bad and trash too. Steve, I'm reaching up. Pull me out of the box, baby. Yeah, what out of the coffin, you old man? <laughs> I mean, I learned how to recently how to make cheese from YouTube, so I watch <laughs> YouTube cheese making videos and I've made my own cheese. But you know, TikTok. And is how still many trash. views did I have? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's the original TikTok is YouTube. Hey, listen, yeah. I fixed a lot of shit too. I uh, I had to fix my car battery. Thanks YouTube. I had yep. to change the drain in my bathroom sink. Thanks YouTube. Awesome man. That's what I'm saying. They're like there's. There's a lot of things on these video things, uh, these video apps. But the apps. problem I have, Steve, is I've got 12-year-olds showing me how to fucking fix my kitchen <laughs> sink. So now I'm going to have like 7-year-olds teaching me on TikTok how to change a car battery. Wait, really? You A 12-year-old is fixing a sink? No, yeah. Yeah, honestly. Mm. Like, my neighbor and I have this running joke that if we can't figure out how to do something, one of us always says, well, let's get on YouTube and have some 12-year-old show us how to do it. <laughs> like, we were trying to get the chain off of that old Schwinn that I was trying, that I'm restoring. Yeah. And we couldn't get it off. And he's like, I swear, you just take a hammer, you hit the pin, and you knock a pin out. Yeah. So we get on YouTube, and this, like, 13-year-old's like, okay, guys, so what we're going to do um, <laughs> is you're just going to get your hammer, and um, so make sure you subscribe below. <laughs> and then he just shows you to take a fucking hammer, hold the uh, the pin, and then you just hit the pin a couple times. Oh, and my knocks God. The action. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, huh. So yeah, there you go. Cool. Well, that's it for the news. <sighs> No, that's not it for the news. Fred. The fuck? Do what? <laughs> oh, is that not it for Preston the news? still has his news yeah. story. <laughs> oh, is, oh, is this the next thing a story? Yeah. Yeah. The, oh, well, the next shit. one in green on the dock, that's Preston's. We've literally talked for half an hour about yeah. news. Goddamn, I'm sorry. That's cool. I'll make this quick. Well, so Preston, listen. Preston, we've <laughs> talked about being curmudgeon old bastards. Steven has talked yeah. about the news. <laughs> yeah. About being a curmudgeon old bastard. So the age-old question is what goes on a pizza. So pineapple, that's a negative for me. Mm-hmm. Mushrooms. Fuck that. Amazing. Go home, fucking farm cheese. Maybe, if I'm in the mood. Barbecue chicken, get the fuck out of here. That just goes on a grill, not on a pizza. But if you're a teen... Mm. I think I might start using TikTok, yeah. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a teenage mutant ninja turtle the correct answer would be anchovies dude and maybe anchovies on a pizza aren't your thing so like sean you're even more of a curmudgeon old bastard so the next time you're whipping up a uh you know dressing for a caesar salad imagine this those salty little fish you know the ones you're mixing in with the mayo and the parmesan cheese they had some big, scary monsters for cousins way, way, way back in the day. Talking about saber-tooth anchovies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Almost three feet long, the creatures brandished a bottom row of jagged teeth swimming in the water some 45 to 50 million years ago. Wait, does it have an underbite? Yeah, like a big underbite. Okay. Like, like a bulldog? Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's like the the bulldog of fish. Anyways, we learned about the saber-tooth anchovy from a study co-authored by Alazio Carbonabanaco. Capo Bianco. Eh, Whatever. A PhD student at the University of Michigan. (laughs) He and his advisor found a fossil in the cabinet, which, I mean, come on, it's like typical science right there. They're just dusting out a little cabinet. Archaeology discovery yeah. of the century. Where'd you find this? It was in the cabinet yeah. of the research library. <laughs> it's like so. It came from an archaeological dig in Pakistan. Like somebody just brought back this old shitty rock and they threw it in the cabinet, and then they started doing X-rays on it. Whoa! Ah, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> so it had been uh, lying down there for like uh, forty years, and uh, so what happened is that uh, me and my advisor Matt uh, Friedman. Uh, who is one of the co-authors in the, in the in the paper? We just took a look at the at the cabinet, and it was full of this uh, like different kind of specimens of fishes and stuff. And 
Uh, among those, we found like uh, this quite unassuming specimen from outside. We, we could kind of notice some large teeth, and to our great surprise, uh, not only this fish had a row of large fangs on the lower jaw, but it also had like, this giant saber tooth, like one, and it could have been used to like stab or impale the, the, the prey. It could have served uh, together with the lower jaw as some sort of cage or trap for the mouth. It could have even been some role outside of feeding and hunting, like, you know, structure of display, like, look at my big old tooth. And, I don't know, like for fending off males that were facing each other, competition-like sort of stuff. I just want to say that uh, I love anchovies. I mean, they're really good, and I don't particularly like Caesar salads, I have to say. I don't know. Uh, I come from Italy, but salads aren't a thing there. But anchovies on pizza? Definitely. Yes. That's not like a mixture of... Uh, the voice, uh, Mike Judge's voice from Beavis and Butthead, the old man, or <laughs> yeah, Hank Hill, kind of. and a mixture of yeah. that and Morty. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, Preston, you have just proved to the entire world, across multiple countries, you can do another accent yeah. besides hillbilly. You get what you get. <laughs> it's old man Morty. <laughs> That's pretty crazy, man. Uh, I kind of want to read more about this study that that lady co-authored. Yeah, like a three-foot-long fucking anchovy with one giant saber tooth. Like, Do you know how many pizzas you could make with that and then throw yeah. away? <laughs> I love lot. anchovies on pizza. Mm. I remember, Preston, you tried... We had a Decapalooza once, and you are like, let's get pizza. And I was like, hell yeah. The Supreme? Yeah, Supreme and anchovies. Fucking ruined that entire pizza. You act- actively go for anchovies in your pizza, Preston? Hell yeah, man. Weird. It makes farmer cheese too. What do you expect? Yeah, make farmer cheese. Go. The new roommates yourself, have Steve. a can of that, and the new roommates have a can of that in the in the thing. I was like, people really buy this? Oh man, <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. like salty fish. Yeah, I love fish. I mean, I then again, I've only had I've only tried anchovies on pizza when I was young, so maybe when I'm older, maybe I'll try it again. And maybe I might like it, but it's definitely not my go to. It would never be my go to, mm-hmm. and I would never put it on a pizza what I was sharing with somebody like a half and half. Well, I mean, I agreed to it. It wasn't like he just like you know sprung it on you. It, yeah, yeah, he didn't rochambeau me or nothing. But like it would be, agree. but oh, does because you know, like sometimes when you get pizza, like you half and half it, and you'll still get like yeah. the juice from the pineapple over mm-hmm. to the side a little bit. And some people don't like that. It would be the same with the anchovies, right? Like you would get a little, maybe a little. No, because it's like dry salted fish chunk. So I mean, as long as it's not on your half of the pizza, you're good. Hmm. Ah, but they're still packed in oil, and you can still have the actual oils permeate mm. over. Yeah. Bitch, I worked at Pizza Hut for four years. <laughs> I think I know how anchovies and pizza work. Hell yeah, man. Well, a little appetizer to tonight's tales. Um, I was actually uh, back in our hometown, Steve, and, well, you know, where we went to high school. And uh, I ran into an old friend of mine who's a little older than I am. And he served in the the military for quite a while. Um, and he was over in Germany back in 1980, right around the time of Chernobyl. Mm. And um, he was telling me that he happened upon a group of guys who have been in the same branch of the military as him since the 1960s all the way through, like, like the early 90s. And it's, like, probably like a Facebook group, you know, where you can get on there. And, and he he met up with a bunch of his buddies that he served with, and then they all joined this, you know, support group or whatever, That's Facebook cool. group. And, like, I don't want to say the guy's name, but... I'll call him John. And John doesn't subscribe to much of this stuff like ghosts and aliens. You know, he's intrigued by it. But at the end of the day, he's like, yeah, there's scientific explanations for all of it. You know, it's, it's nothing out of the ordinary. But he's like, hey, man, I uh, I wanted to talk to you. And it's funny that you're here because I thought about you the other day. And he said he's forgotten all about what happened. But basically, they had these old, like, military compound uh, machinery garages. I think he called them like a tab V or something like that. But just imagine like a big bunker you could roll in like a Jeep or several vehicles yeah. or planes and shit to work on. Like a big hangar. And he said they had this one tab V that they always called the haunted tab V. And I'm like, okay. And he says, now people tell you tales about it when you first get to this location on this army base about how like, you know, everybody's too afraid to get out there and, you know, stay the night by themselves or work by themselves in this installation. And, of course, everybody has to do it once or twice, you know. But basically, like, you can show up to work in a group of, like, you know, two or more people, go in there, do your job, fix your jeeps, your machinery or whatever, and everything's fine. But anytime somebody would leave somebody by themselves or you'd have to work by yourself, 
he said the lights would start flickering. You could hear murmuring in the background. And then anything you tried to use as far as machinery goes, like generators or, you know, hydraulic presses, stuff like that, they'd be working just fine with a group of people. But as soon as there's one person by themselves, anything electric would stop working. So you could be sitting there, you know, working with, you know, like your, zzz, you know, your power drills and your, you know, ratchets and all that kind of stuff. The minute you're by yourself, it just stops working. That's cool. Somebody else could walk into the room and it would start right back up. Wow. Power generators that were electric would just stop working unexpectedly. Um, he said that there were times whenever they would do experiments and they'd have people standing around the parameter of this little building, making sure nobody's out there, you know, unplugging anything or flipping breakers or whatever. They could never explain exactly what was causing it, but he said you'd also be in this bunker. There was no air conditioning, so you pretty much just relied on, you know, just the cold from being in Germany, and, you know, all the doors were always shut because, again, it's a, it's a U.S. military base, so you don't want anybody, you know, sneaking up and watching you or surveying or possibly shooting you. He said there's absolutely zero airflow in this building. But anytime somebody's by themselves, you'd get a gust of wind that would go through this thing. And he's like, like somebody just turned on a wind tunnel sometimes. And he said one day he was in there and he's working by himself and a big old gust of wind came through. And he's like, man, it must be storming outside. And so he walked outside, lit a cigarette. Nope. Clear, blue, sunny day. No wind at all. Trees weren't even moving. No leaves were blowing. The minute you go back inside, there's just a steady breeze going through this building. And he said what's even funnier is like he and his buddies were talking about this happening and how they each experienced it and they all kind of forgot about it. People started chiming in that had worked back in this bunker back in the 60s, the 70s, the early 80s. And he said they finally ended up shutting down uh, that side of the compound probably like in the early, early 90s. Mm -hmm. But he said it was just crazy to hear like people all the way back in the 60s. You know, so he's like, so to me, he's like, these are old timers, man. These are like... You know, we're just getting out of Vietnam. We don't have room for ghosts or any other, you know, silly bullshit experiencing the same exact thing. And, like, it was just kind of a well-known rumor, like, oh, yeah, that Tab V uh, unit, it's haunted. And he's like, you could walk up to, you know, your your generals, your sergeants, all these people, and they would all be, like, the hardest fucking military guys. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, weird shit happens in there and nobody can explain it whatsoever. But he said it was almost like a screen memory to where, like, he pretty much all but forgot about it until randomly they hit this chat group. And all of a sudden people were just, like, on a whim. Hey, did anybody ever experience anything weird in that building? And they had, like, a special number for that building or whatever. But, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I wanted to ask Matt if he'd experienced it. But, you know, he said this thing shut down at the tail end of the 80s or the early 90s. So. Well, we've been rambling on for quite a while, so this would be the point where I'd like to say, if you want to pause here, get yourself a drink or a snack, or maybe just hit the loo, because we're getting ready to get into the two main stories, and I don't think you're going to want to miss them. Since the dawn of man, we've often looked to the sky and stared in awe at the countless stars that span across the infinite heavens. And we've oftentimes pondered to ourselves, in all the vastness of space, in all the universe's glory, are we indeed alone? Well, as always, we here at Pixelated Paranormal are here for you. But not to answer such a question that's wrapped inside of an enigma. No, no, we are just here simply to share yet two more stories of the unusual and the strange. Two more encounters with the unexplainable. Two more little nudges to help you move a little further down the paranormal highway. So we've all pretty much heard about, you know, Betty and Barney Hill and their abduction case that happened in 1961. Perhaps one of the most important and the most famous alien abduction stories to ever hit the U.S. And until 1961, you didn't have too many stories of alien encounters in the U.S. that really hit the headlines quite like the Hill story. Well, dear listeners... And you guys, I don't think any of us have ever heard the story that happened in Venezuela in 1954. The attempted abduction of Jose Ponce and Gustavo Gonzalez. So this bizarre tale involves two men who not only successfully avoided being victims of alien abduction, 
but also nearly kidnapped an alien creature themselves. Well, our first strange tale tonight happened in Patari, Venezuela. On the 29th of November in 1954, between 2 and 2.30 a.m. in the morning, Gustavo Gonzalez, a then 25-year-old Cuban businessman residing in Venezuela, and his Venezuelan assistant, Jose Ponce, were driving in Gustavo's van on their way to the Industria Nacional de Embutiados, or the Shepler Meat Processing Plant, located on Buena Vista Street in Patare. They were on their way to pick up their goods that they had planned to sell at the market later in that day. And these two guys were solid, solid businessmen. And they operated like clockwork every morning, 2 a.m. They were at the meat processing plant getting their shipment for what they planned to sell at the market the following day. Well, that night, as they were driving along Buena Vista Street, they were surprised to see that all of a sudden, the pitch black night sky and the street illuminated like someone turned on the light and all of a sudden it was noon. So just like any of the rest of us, they decided to jump out of their van and see exactly what was causing the area to light up. So they got out, and then Jose walked around to the front of the vehicle to get a better view of the light source. But then all of a sudden, Gustavo hears Jose scream, What the hell is that thing? And then he ran back around to the other side of the van and nearly knocked Gustavo right on his ass. And the two of them stared ahead as a strange, three-foot-tall, diminutive entity slowly, inquisitively, walked towards them. Mm. The creature they saw was short, stocky, and had a round basketball-shaped head and was covered in a weird brown fur. Now, it took the two guys a few seconds to comprehend exactly what they were seeing, but then after he gathered his bearings, Gustavo decided that, by God, no one is going to believe them, so he's going to grab himself the damn thing and take it as a souvenir and as proof as to what they were experiencing. (laughs) (laughs) So Gustavo slowly advanced towards the fuzzy Muppet-looking thing and decided to wrap his arms around the creature and attempt to capture it via a sneak attack bear hug. And then he planned to drag it back to their van. But the small alien, however, wasn't going to have any of this earthling bullshit and managed to break away from Gustavo and his creepy hug without hardly any effort. The little guy was abnormally strong for his stature stature, and forced Gustavo off with little to no effort and knocked him right on his ass on the pavement. According to Gustavo, this entity weighed about 110 pounds and was just over three foot tall. You guys can see a picture there. Kind of looks like an emaciated Bigfoot with a basketball for a head. Or an Ewok. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. So Gustavo got pissed off because this little dirt mop just whooped his ass like he was a toddler. And he jumped up and he rushed after this thing as it scuttled away towards the source of the light. And he somehow managed to completely miss the fact that by now, two other small aliens were rushing towards him, approaching at a blinding speed. One of the two otherworldly creatures then raised up a weird wand-like rod and flashed him with a light, kind of like a flashlight, in order to stop him from chasing after their fellow alien. So now scared and blinded by the light, and unable to see what was happening for a few seconds, he reached into his pocket and grabbed a hold of his Boy Scout knife. And this is the point I want to pause here and say, guys, gals, it's not a bad idea to carry a pocket knife in your pocket at all times, just in case, because you never know when you're going to need it. I know a lot of people do that. Oh, yeah, I carry a knife on me. Preston carries a special one to cut Fuck his farmer's yeah. cheese. I got a, a buck <laughs> knife from the, the 70s my old man gave me. It's like uh, wood grain, and it's got like the gold and brass trim around it. Yeah, all the time. Carry that thing on you? Fucking I call me John Rambo. <laughs> That's a knife. Yeah, notice they don't call you Big John Wiener. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. So, blinded, he reaches into his pocket and he grabs a hold of his Boy Scout knife. 
and as his vision is slowly coming back, he starts wildly swinging his knife in front of him, left to right and round in circles and jabbing. And when he glances to the left, he saw the same diminutive alien was now running towards him. So instinctively, the man stabbed the creature's shoulder with the knife, but only to feel the blade slip off the skin, which he said was like that of a tough rhinoceros hide. And then, because turnabout's fair play, the hairy little extraterrestrial reached out his arms, lunged towards Gustavo, and seized him now in a kidnapping embrace. You try to kidnap me, bitch. I'm going to kidnap you. <laughs> yeah, right. And as he was now struggling to break free from his captor, Gustavo also realized this creature had long, sharp claws on each of its four fingers. Meanwhile, now his assistant, Jose, emerged from the right side of the van and headed towards the source of the bright light, which you could now see was a spherical, craft-like object. And as he got almost close enough to touch the bizarre airship, another small, hairy extraterrestrial emerged from the other side of the small hill that the UFO was perched on top of. But when this creature saw Jose, it jumped backwards like Jose had startled it and that he had no clue there was a classic alien-human wrestling match happening between Gustavo <laughs> and his friends. As soon as it saw Jose... Watch out, watch out, watch out! <laughs> as soon as it saw Jose, it hurriedly turned around and walked the other way like, Nope, 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 nope. And Jose said this little guy had clumps of dirt and flowers and grass in both of his clutched hands. Then the little galactic botanist jumped nearly six feet up botanist. into the air and landed on top of the craft and entered a hatch and vanished into the object. What a what a great getaway. I know, no shit. <laughs> it reminds me of in that movie The Arrival with Charlie Sheen. The aliens uh -huh. like they, they like they're like posing as humans and then when they get caught they they uh, to get away real quick they can take their knees and then like bend them backwards to give them like crazy jumping. Like they can jump. Yeah, that, I remember exactly that. what uh. that is. Like jumping like six feet up in the air. Like what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Huh. Then the little galactic botanist jumped nearly six feet up on top of the craft and entered a hatch and vanished into the object. And then only seconds later, another entity emerged, armed with a long, shiny tube in its hand, pointing it at both men. It went and got its strap. <laughs> right. He's like, you want to fuck with right. this knife? Well, let me show you a shiny tube. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's either going through you or in you. <laughs> like, oh, oh, no. Oh, spit roast. <laughs> they both then suddenly felt a vibration that encompassed their bodies, and Gustavo and Jose were rendered paralyzed. They then saw the brilliant sphere rising majestically and silently to a point in the night sky before vanishing altogether. And you got kind of a small drawing there of the guys there, and it looked like, looked like a giant flying ball, like yeah. a giant, you know, like what Mork wrote in. Jose was so confused and scared by what he saw, he just straight up took off and ran all the way to the traffic office in Patere. I gotta pronounce this right. Patere? Patari? Anyway, to the traffic office, <laughs> located on the same street where this bizarre event took place. Minutes later, Gustavo Gonzalez arrived at the same exact location. He loved his homie. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, nope, nope. I'm going to take a note out of that little uh, guy who stole the grasses book and just nope right out of here. <laughs> uh, and after having a drink of water to recover from the ordeal, both men enthusiastically described their experience to the to the on-duty officers, Manuel Moreno and E. Dominguez, who both stated that both the men entered their office at 2.30 in the morning with their bizarre story of furry little aliens, but they confirmed to their knowledge neither of the men were drunk nor insane. To the traffic officers, what they said and described seemed true enough being though it was packed with many details that seemed to be too real and too specific to make up. Jose and Gustavo were both able to describe the aliens to the officers as follows. They were hairy, covered in fur, noseless, with glowing eyes, short in stature, they were barefoot, and they wore a strange item of clothing that resembled a loincloth, and they were very agile 
and strong for their size, and they were able to break away from their grasp, and they could leap almost like a cat. Now, later in the morning, Officer Jesus Antonio Yanes declared that what had occurred to Gustavo and Jose was definitely unique to the two, and nobody else in the town had experienced any close encounters. The next day, Gustavo complained of pain in his left side and was taken to a hospital to receive medical attention. An x-ray was taken there around 3 in the afternoon to discard the possibility of a fractured rib. Doctors, however, only found that he had a severely pulled muscle in his right side and some large abnormal bruising. From the wrestling match? Could have been, from mm. the bear hug. Following the incident, people who knew both men personally stated they must have had a truly extraordinary experience for these two to publicly report such a strange encounter. Antonio Cherchi, the manager of the Industria Nacional de Embudios, or the Schepler Meat Processing Plant, stated that he knew Gustavo and Jose from seeing them and dealing with them, and he took them very serious. They were hardworking people who arrived at 2 o'clock a.m. every day to retrieve their products. He also acknowledged having never received any complaints about them or having noticed anything unusual about the two. If they say they saw something or had contact with something, he believed them. Moreover, journalists who interviewed both the men attained that Gustavo and Jose were not intoxicated at the time. Had they been drunk, the traffic authorities would have arrested them both for driving under the influence, and furthermore, when Gustavo was taken to the emergency room, he was somewhat nervous and his side appeared a little bruised. So you actually had witnesses see the bruising on his side. Again, could have been hit by a car, we don't know. But then later, other witnesses came forward. Two others testified to having heard or seen something in Bella Vista Street. One of them was Miss Maria Antoinetta Avaladina, who stated that she was awake between 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning, and at the time of the incident, she felt something like an explosion or sibilant hiss, but paid no mind to it because she was preparing a remedy for a sick child in her house. Do you think, Likewise, that, was when he, do you think that was when, he, when they pulled out that... Shiny tube or the ship taking off or <laughs> it what? It could have been. Or it could have been an explosion of it taking off, too. Yeah. The propulsion system. Or it could but be the explosion of Gustavo shitting his pants when he got in that wrestling match. <laughs> oh, God. Body slam! <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> He's going to the top of the ropes, people! <laughs> Likewise, Mr. Garachin, who lived in Patare, noted that hours before the incident he had seen a, quote, strange luminous device that made no noise whatsoever that was flying to the south of Patare, and that other people had seen it as well. Later at 2 o'clock in the morning, an explosion was heard over Buena Vista Street and other areas of Caracas Valley. A Mr. Manuel Maria Soria, living at the Avenida Socra No. 31, only three blocks away from the site indicated by the witnesses to the landing, stated that when he was heading back home around 2.30 in the morning in a rental car, he suddenly noticed a bright light flooding his vehicle, causing him to stop for a moment. He suddenly heard something like a sharp whistling sound, piercing and unbearable. He stepped on the pedal and sped away at full speed, reaching his home. <laughs> right. Reaching his home and telling his mother, Miss Juanita Soria, about the incident. The woman said that she had also heard something, but believed it to be, quote, one of those aircraft purchased by the government that make a lot of noise. Other witnesses was Dr. Julio Garcis, a lab technician at the Perez de Leon Hospital in Patare. He said that shortly after 2 a.m. on that same Sunday morning, while driving near Buena Vista in his car, he heard something that sounded like screams of terror issued by a squealing voice. He stopped to see what was going on, but he saw nothing. All he could hear were more screams, but was unable to ascertain their origin. Hmm. It's probably those aliens just saying, Kick his ass! <laughs> no shit. <laughs> also, a Miss Esla Duderstadt. I want my last name to be Duderstadt. Yeah. A resident of Kali 9 in Los Palos Grandes said that she was in her garden when she noticed a very bright light towards Batare, 
So this must be like a neighboring city. Mm -hmm. It was a very intense light rising skyward in the shape of a disc, and it changed color and flared for a few minutes. Her son, Rodolfo Duderstadt, reiterated his mother's statements categorically and noted, The sighting we have had has given us much to think about, as it has occurred at the same time as in Patare. We didn't know about the details of the case until it appears in the newspaper until it appeared in the newspapers. But Miss Ursula Weed, a niece of Mrs. Esla Duderstadt, also had the chance to see the strange object too. And then residents of the Los Cabos urbanization living along the old rail line that leads to the city of Vitare, too, noted that on the very same morning, at the very exact same time, they saw a very bright light passing over their homes, lighting their rooms like bright flashlights. Many abstained from making statements to the press to avoid being derided as insane or being summoned by national security, which had looked into the matter. And then a Miss Del Paso, resident of Cala Andres, Bello, Bayo, noted that several police and national security cars reported to the area to assert control and search streets and homes and parking lots where an explosion was felt after the light had gone by. And Mr. Francisco Leal, a resident of Calle 7, felt the explosion much like other residents of the sector. Entire families were outside their homes, standing in fear, discussing the possibility that it could have been some sort of weapon, indicating that, according to the statements made by the police, it was a bluish, intense light that moved upward. Everybody heard strange noises. And thus, this ends a strange close encounter of the third kind of Jose and Gustavo. No one else encountered the little alien bear cubs, but plenty of people did witness strange lights in the sky at that same exact time and heard screaming and loud mechanical noises on the night of November 29, 1954. Pretty cool. Yeah. It's a far cry from little gray aliens, man, having these little basketball-shaped fuzzballs running around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now the second story is not nearly as long, but it's pretty peculiar nonetheless. Years later, on August 17, 1971, there was perhaps an even stranger alien encounter from Palos Verdes, California. Witnesses John Hodges and Pete Rodriguez were allegedly heading in their car at 2 a.m. when they saw off through the trees a faint, mysterious glow emanating from beyond their vantage point. They got into their car, switched on the headlights, and there, suspended in the beams of their vehicle, were what appeared to be two large, bluish entities that looked just like disembodied human brains, hovering right in the middle of the road and surrounded by clouds of vapor and the vapor almost seemed to cling to these creatures. Preston's back there Say vaping. What? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> the larger one of the brains was described as having a prominent red eyeball set within it, and this is the one that began to move towards the vehicle like a Metroid. for purposes. Yeah, kind of, right? It began to move towards the vehicle for purposes unknown. The two terrified men understandably got out as fast as they could have, but later noticed that they had two hours of missing time. Later in 1976, Hodges would go under Hodges would undergo hypnotic regression after years of being plagued by nightmares and wondering what had happened to them out on that lonely road. Under hypnosis, Hodges revealed that he had dropped Rodriguez off at his house and then arrived at his own home to find the larger brain was actually waiting for him there, which had then telepathically spoken to him. He claimed that they had been taken. He claimed that he had been taken aboard onto the brain's ship to some sort of control room, where it was revealed that they were merely telepathic tools being used by other aliens. This time, they were more akin to the gray alien types typically described in more mainstream reports. Although in this story, these creatures stood over seven feet tall. And that is a whole lot of nope as well. Fuck yeah, that. hell no. 
These master aliens then apparently showed Hodges various images of nuclear war and destruction as they explained the human race had grown too powerful for its own good. He was also shown another planet that had been completely destroyed by another race that had met the same fate, and was admonished that the human race would be the instruments of their own fate, telling him, Take the time to understand yourselves. The time draws near when you shall need to. Hodges then says that he felt a potent buzzing sensation in the back of his head and found himself then back in his own car. In the years after, he became convinced that these aliens had implanted him with what he called a translator cell and that he received frequent telepathic communications from them through this device, in which they made dire predictions such as the apocalyptic war in the Middle East and the future widespread use of nuclear weapons. Now, whether you want to think this story and its space brains has any truth to it or not, you have to admit it's a damn strange tale nonetheless. Right. That reminds me of the story that happened to Russell on Independence Day. Yeah, no shit. Randy Quaid. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, it's crazy. That was in 1971, so, I mean, here we are, 2020, so the little alien had a little bit of... Yeah, a little lag. little lag, yeah. <laughs> little lag alien. But you know what? I mean, to us, of course, it's been years now. But yeah, to well, them. I mean, what's time to another creature, another entity? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, what is, what is soon? But yeah, there you go. Two strange tales of otherworldly Is that guy still alive, you think? Oh, probably, man, yeah. Hmm. I mean, the one dude's in the first story. One of them was 25 in 1971. Yeah. So he's probably about in his seventies now. He's still. Oh, I bet you he's shitting his pants right now with everything going on. Oh God. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that translator said, "Why aren't you fucking working? Come on. <laughs> Why do you have that tinfoil hat on?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, guys, let's go ahead and plug some stuff and get out of here. Cool. That's a solid hour. Awesome. Steve, what do you got, man? Um. Check out our Facebook page, Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Get on there. We post things like the visual aids. Uh, we do also do that on our Instagram at PXL Paranormal. And yeah, check us out. Do the follow, like the page, share the stuff. Sharing is very important. Because every time we do a share, it reaches more and more people. And then they'll be like, oh, what's this? And then they'll look at it and they'll, they'll chuckle. And they'll just scroll on. But there might be that one person. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All it takes is one yep. person. And then check out the rest of the shows on the Pixelated Sausage Network. Check out Pixelated Sausage and Amazingly Baca and Attack the Backlog, as well as the newly returning 13 Nightmares. That's right, folks. We are recording a brand new episode. We should have it out on Friday the 31st, I believe. Yep. Yeah. And oh, and another thing to plug. Um, if you go to pixelatedsausage.com, you can check out the Patreon. Um, it really helps out with server costs and all the hard work that Mark does for sure. um, the network. So um, if you're into that, donating through there, that'd be pretty cool. Um, it's, you know, you can donate whatever you want. You can sign up for like a dollar plan a month or whatever. It don't matter. Mm-hmm. But just something to think about if you want to support the show. That would be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And speaking of support and repping your third favorite podcast, we will have t-shirts out. I think I keep saying soon, soon, soon. I'm just waiting to hear back from the printer on the final setups. And then we'll start having some t-shirts to pedal and then uh, some other merch following after that shortly. So uh, stay tuned guys. And we'll have pre-orders up before you know it. And as always, Presto, what do you if got? You need a beard. If you want a beard, if you want the best goddamn looking beard, that'll help you wrestle an Ewok from outer space. Check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order and pick up some space swagging scents like Dundee Cedar Bay Rum Sweet Tobacco Fresh Mint Citrus Classic. I think I got them all. Anyways, you can get them all at Dobbs. And then if you're Mm -hmm. in the Wichita area and you want your hair to look the best it can look, go over to uh, Colin www.cutsbycolin.com and ask for the razzle dazzle and if your shit's a little tight and you need to loosen up and want some needlework three pillars health and go see our main man benny there you go sweet
Oh yeah. Check out our friends down at Fast Print at Harry and Rock here in Wichita and go by sometime soon when you ran out of stuff to watch and you've streamed all the streams you can stream. Go by and say hi to Leslie and the gang down at CD Trade Post at Pawnee and Seneca. Oh, and also, while you're on BigDialsBeardBomb.com, grab yourself a bar of beard soap, because right now it is more important than ever to keep that facial fuzz clean as well. Everybody says you got to cut it, and there's fecal matter in it, and blah, blah, blah. Not if you take care of the damn thing. Not if you wash it once in a while and, you know, get down there and scrub all the crap out from underneath it. Wait, people have shit in their beards? I mean, they could. Well, thank, thankfully, I have Gunslinger Soap to help me out with that. Mm, yeah. Oh, very good call. Yeah, check out GunslingerSoaps.com as well. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All yep. right. Well, anything else, guys? Nope. Sweet action. Okay, cool. Well, for now, cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And don't try to kidnap a basketball-headed alien. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and 